Hey everybody, it's Robert here, your friendly neighborhood grip, and welcome to Act 2, Chapter 50 of the Dark Nexus podcast. This feels like a big one to us. There's a lot going on and a lot that we want to put into this momentous chapter. So much so, in fact, that Chapter 50 will be spread over the course of the next three episodes, over the next three weeks. So, strap in. We're going to get back to the main party here now. In one of these chunks, we do get to see the backup characters actually get in action. I'm excited about that after we got to meet them a little bit. But for now, we're going back to the main party. So please enjoy Act 2, Chapter 50. Welcome back to Dark Nexus. Tonight, it's Act 2, Chapter 50. Yeah. Wow. 50 mm, is a right. big number, y'all. Right. I mean, depending on how you count things, there's the Act 1 interlude throwing the numbers off and so forth and all that. So we've already passed our 50th episode, but we haven't yet reached Chapter 50. It's a big number. Pretty sweet. Yeah. If you'd ask me... Like a thousand years ago, back in 2019, <laughs> if we get to 50, I'd probably been like, yeah, of course, we're talking about. And then like in 2020, I'd been like, what are you talking about? We'll never record a single episode of this ever again. But, but we're, well, we made it here. Yeah, so thank you to the four of you. And congrats, congrats to all of you. Yeah. And thank you to you. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. And thank you to everybody listening for sticking with us for so long. If you're here, we're so glad you're here. Oh my gosh. All right. But <laughs> chapter 50. Let's get into it. After the events of the past two chapters, we found our story split into two separate timelines. We've got the main four over at Lelwyn's house, and we've got the backup brigade, Bates, Barnabas, Dabwick, and Stasi over on the Selen Starling. The timelines have been concurrent and overlapping, and at this very moment, when the night hag falls just after midnight on the sixth day of Neth, and our protagonists hear the first crashes of thunder from this storm brewing out over Lake Carthen, while the gathering on the ship hears the same crash of thunder for a brief moment, we have conjunction. Ever so briefly, these two timelines align. But this won't stay the case for long, because these two groups of people are separated, literally, physically, in space. And even if they weren't visually shielded from view of each other by this looming spire of Crocus Hill and its ever-watchful star, Stella. Whatever happens in one place will likely go unnoticed by those in the other. And even if they were noticed, there are many minutes of walking apart from each other. So by the time one group of these people were to reach the other, whatever was happening, whatever will happen, will be all over. And this is relevant tonight because the people in one location know something that the people in the other don't. The backup buddies aboard the Starling, they know what Roni, eater of ratlings, Ray, slayer of unicorns, Grip, the crusher of babies, and Dora, the doppelganger brain bomb, don't know. (laughs) And it's not that they'd put it in these terms, but the backup buddies know 
that the next phase of the great harvest has just begun. But as I said, hey, sunshine and flowers. The main four don't know that yet. (laughs) They've sealed themselves in a room, locked the door, sealed the shutters, so they could deal with a degenerate night hag that had been feeding on the artist Lelwyn Hassock. They've got no clue what's going on with everyone over in the harbor. Thus, I get to put my friends in their favorite position, knowing as players that something's going down, but having to play characters that have no clue. Ah, oh, the power like of imagination! 20 years of this. I love to do this to them. So, we are going to find out a bit later tonight what happens, what, what happened, or what will happen on the deck of the Starling as a mob of scum attacks it. Mm -hmm. But we're going to find out later, because at this point, there ain't nothing these four can do to impact the outcome of that battle. (laughs) They're going to be over here in town, managing some consequences. They're just going to have to hear about what happened from the survivors, and we'll see who did survive later tonight. I really hope our backup buddies don't die. We're going to need backup backup buddies. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to squirm the next no, hour. Not since Ratch Mambi have you rub, rubbed our noses oh in something God. quite so much. I feel, you know, it's been a while since I've I've done an elaborate nose rubbing. Uh, <laughs> and chapter 50 feels like the right time to do it. So, so we're here. We're just past midnight in Lowen's bedroom. And these four are exhausted. The battle was hard fought, but in the end, a sacred serpent from the rainforest of heaven dragged the night hag back to hell. It's after midnight, but it's really still our 13th day in this campaign because these four have yet to rest. Whatever they got left after that fight they just threw everything at, that's what they've got. And we will assess the healing and spell duration situation in a sec here. Uh, Katie joked back in chapter 48, I don't remember if we got it on mic or not, but she joked that they're definitely taking Lowen's bag of holding now. Uh, and she was right on. With the hag destroyed, one of the first things Lowen does is to hug you all, run downstairs, grab his prized magic item, and run up and press it into your hands, begging you to take it off him off his hands and thanks for saving his life. I mean, he's still got constitution drain to deal with and nobody here is anywhere near being able to deal with that, but he's alive and he knows why he's alive and what was attacking him and how the four of you and Mr. Snake destroyed it. (laughs) And in the aftermath of this fight, as Lelwyn is flitting about the place, the four of you are left staring at the only evidence left that the night hag had ever been here. Her heartstone ruby, brilliant gem on a fine chain, lying in the center of the room. We never got a chance to talk about the stuff the insane, depraved hag was screaming wildly at you as she appeared, because that episode went very long and simple survival quickly became our entire focus. But now, in the hush after the fight, Dora and Roni were the ones who had their heads wrapped the most around what was up with this creature, they're better able to process what she was saying. And what she was saying and implying was extremely troubling. She said Ariadne was back. After 700 plus years. Well, not that she was back, but that she was approaching. Or that she was here and that she was nigh, that she felt her and also couldn't find her. It was very confused. But turning over what you heard, this is what you would piece together. 
700 years ago, the Thrushmore vanishing happened. And according to this hag, whatever that was left many of her kind, as she put it, torn between worlds. She said many died, most died, but that 12 days ago, something happened. And this hag could feel the Briarstone Witch again. And she followed the call and she eventually found Lelwyn's dreams. Now here's where shit gets confusing. Honestly, I'm going to give Dora and Roni with their huge intelligence scores much higher than any of us normal people. I'm going to give you a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here and help fill in what I believe they would deduce. So they know from Lelwyn that his dreams of the four of you started on the day of the earthquake and ended the day you left Briarstone Isle. You would deduce, and I think you already have, that the dreams that the hag followed that led to Lelwyn were the Tatterman's corruption of his mind. They started when the Tatterman came into the world, and they ended when he died at your hands. This would probably also give you pause as you contemplate the fairly huge geographic area he was apparently able to reach out and touch people like perhaps there may not be anybody in the region he hadn't at some way at some point made contact with while they slept but it wasn't feeling the tatterman that woke this hag up from the half-life she'd been wallowing in she said it was ariadne or that it is ariadne or will be ariadne something's up there something it's something confusing especially since the only event that happened 12 days ago was you waking up. The earthquake was a week before that. So even though our friend Jane, RIP, turned out to be a red herring Briarstone witch, it does seem as though w w whatever happened 700 years ago to vanish the real Briarstone witch, like maybe that whole story is not quite over yet. And maybe Ariadne is here or is nigh or was here or will be here or has always been here. There's always been this lingering question, hasn't there? I know Johnny has asked it out loud multiple times. How and why did you wake up? Timeline-wise, you arrive at the asylum on the 15th. You're catatonic. Two days later, the Tatterman is freed, earthquake happens. You're still, presumably, catatonic. An entire week after that is when you wake up. And amidst the confusion and the chaos of the Act 1 prologue, the first words you ever heard the Tatterman speak in this life, before you had any idea who he was, the first words you heard him say were, she said to make you suffer. Now, there's so much you don't know about what happened before you woke up, and we are going to spend the next four and a half acts of this story <laughs> piecing all that shit together. But standing right here, right now, you would be left recognizing that it is possible that you're waking from a catatonic state and the potential reemergence of Ariadne, the Briarstone Witch, were in some form, in some manner, it's, it's possible that these two events were concurrent, causal, some sort of conjunction. The hag put it as time and space and reality and the dreaming becoming one. But blah, 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 blah. That's enough for me. <laughs> we have a magnificent ruby lying at our feet. We know it's used to store souls, but we don't know what else it does. 
We also presumably have some healing to deal with and spell durations to talk about. I know we talked a little bit before we came on, Mike, tonight that Katie's character is still Tima at the moment and that if we're still picking up right fresh in this moment, Ray would still be soaking up Grip's damage. So let's start with uh, Ray taking five points of damage and Grip healing up five. And Katie, why don't you give me that concentration check? I made it. Okay, all right. So... Tima is thrust back into the prison of Dora's mind, battering, battering, battering against the veil as uh, Dora rejoins the situation here. Ray, you, your wounds are just opening up all over the place. What do you, what's your first action to take as this fight uh, winds down? How are you feeling? I'm down um, 35, 45, 10, 15. I'm still down about 15. Okay. <laughs> You're, like, down, like, you're down 45 hit points? No, I was counting up, but I'm, I'm so that's, you have to follow me. You'll, we'll, we'll get there together. I'm right. <laughs> um, going to touch him for a cure moderate wounds. Great. Positive energy. 12. Ne- Thank you. Negative energy. And that puts you within five of your max? Puts me exactly five. <laughs> then I'm going to channel positive energy for you and I. I need it as well. Throw those resources away. Yes, yes. No reason not to. Right. Yeah, as far as fine. we're concerned, we're like, we killed this hag. He basically said we we're going like, to rest soon, right? Yeah. Yes. I have uh, you're nothing, up to full. guys. Lelwyn is probably like pulling out the cake. and uh, Absolutely. Yeah. He's got tea on. It's probably elven cake, though, made somehow of... Lembus bread. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Something that Grip will hate. So, <laughs> in this moment, we're all, we're all in this locked up, sealed up bedroom staring down at this heartstone oh yeah the re-rolling of the fortitude save oh thank you so johnny reminded me that uh you know he had one particularly bad fortitude save after he got bitten by the hag last episode it's like a seven or something it was really bad and um uh he is allowed to make two saving throws against disease and it was a check against disease so why don't you give me another uh, another check there jay let's see if we get anything better than what i rolled before and the answer is no i got a 12 so that's what i got all right yeah i i i think those the place on your skin where that teeth sunk through, like probably right up near your neck, yeah. is rapidly festering Ugh. and growing angry, angry red. Like they start making heel checks and something things like in your that? blood. Yeah, give me a check. All right. Oh, I'm still little. Wee little Dora. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Uh, that's a 26. Yeah, my friend, you got. Uh, what's it called? What do I have? I'm sure it has a great name. Yeah, it's demon fever. Ooh. Oh, wow. I got a fever. Um, this is some terrible bullshit. Okay. So. I'm, I'm shocked. Right? Yeah. The, the, the DC for this save is higher than you've ever yet encountered. Once you hit the impaired state for this disease, it kind of functions otherwise like filth fever, basically. Tomorrow you're going to have to make a save. If you fail, you'll go to weekend. If you fail again, you'll go to impaired. The thing with demon fever is once you hit the impaired state, the penalties from that state become permanent until you can find a heal spell, the sixth Mm. level spell heal, Mm. or a restoration spell. 
So you can drag yourself two consecutive saves by two consecutive saves out of these tracks and back to air quotes health, but you will be forever um, scarred, sickened and weakened until you can, uh, you know, get your hands on this incredibly powerful magic. It's uh, it's devastating. It's devastating. <sighs> yeah, and unlike that whole uh, stretch of episodes, which we're currently in real time releasing right now, where you'd wondered <laughs> if you had leprosy, uh, you don't. You do know you have this. Yeah, you're you're seeing the telltale signs begin. Mm. But we're facing this Hearthstone. We're facing this Hearthstone. We know that it has some magical properties. <laughs> we're all looking at Ray. Yeah, but no one's looking at Ray with a smile. You know, like everyone's looking at with, with everyone's Ray. looking at Ray like we're gonna have to try again tomorrow, aren't we? Everyone's looking at Ray like they Let's smell get, sour milk. Get the check milk. over with today, so we can get to the next one tomorrow. Uh, so you're gonna cast you're gonna cast detect magic, I presume. Yes. So when you open your senses up to magical auras, there is actually a small riot of auras coming off of this gem, which is it's it's a incredibly. Uh, fine ruby that you would all assess to be just on its own worth 1,800 gold pieces. So it's uh, it's just, a, even by itself, it's a little piece of treasure there. But you're picking up a moderate aura of necromancy, which you would suspect would probably have something to do with how it's used in soul binding. But also, it has a moderate aura of abjuration, so protection magic, and conjuration, which has a bevy of uses from summoning outsiders to like healing and stuff and you do also note Ray that the auras are doing something you haven't actually ever seen before they are very very slowly almost imperceptibly but 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 noticeably to Ray's eye they are starting to fade as though maybe the magic contained within this item might not survive its creator by more than a day so whatever it does, it's only going to do it for the next day. So you get one check, Ray. Oh, I, you I know, I was it. so I wrapped it. up in thinking about that, that I boffed the spellcraft check. I rolled a 13. Feeling any shame? <laughs> sure. Uh, no, that's oh, a one but I could do on that. my action um, point. Can I think? do that hypnotism thing where I let him make a check again? I haven't done it in so long. I'll have to uh, look it up to see if I can do that. It might just be knowledge checks. Uh, I, I think I got the detail pulled up quick, more quickly than you, Katie. And, and, uh, it a, is a previously failed intelligence or knowledge check, yeah? To recall forgotten information. I think we, when we ran up against this before, yep. we both decided it's not forgotten. It's not, uh, yeah. It's never known. He's trying to parse what he's seen. But that could allow for another role on knowledge about night hags and their heartstones. So... What the hypnotism does is uh, she can use it to help someone re-roll a previously failed check. And my memory of those checks were they were both just high enough to get a little something. You did uh, not, not fail the checks. All right. Well, then there you go. There we go. And nobody else has got knowledge planes that hasn't tried? I'm looking at you, Grip. Come nope. on. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know it's got it's got auras of... Of abjuration and conjuration, in addition to its uh, necromancy, you all can pick it up and pass it around. I'm going to put it on. I got nothing. I mean, literally, I'm a dead man right now. So if this can possibly help me in some way, your disease is immediately healed. <gasps> you watch all of that redness, all of that festering that's beginning on those uh, teeth marks near your throat, just immediately heal right up. And uh, you do feel a little, uh, 
You're, you're vibing on a little resistance bonus to something. You feel a little extra special savvy. All right. At least for a day. Yeah, at least for a day. I'm, so I'm should combat break out with these characters day, remind me? It's worth trying. Couldn't Dora try it? She's not feeling well. Absolutely. Dora's filth fever is gone. Oh, <gasps> wow. Anybody else sick? I was just saying, this is it. This is the first day of the campaign where no one is diseased. It just happened. Oh, my God. Wow. You pass we, it around, and even, like, the slight head cold that uh, Grip was feeling a little bit setting in today, it's gone. <laughs> we got to put gone. it on Lelwyn. He doesn't have a disease. You put it on him, it does not appear to heal constitution drain. How uh, about sanity damage? It does not. I, that would be, wow, that would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, it does not affect your sanity damage. Ah, oh, well. Well, I'm happy to not have... I'm very happy for the one thing that it did. That's so great. Yay. Yay. I failed, and then I didn't. Oh, and actually, it could be passed around everybody on that on ship. ship. Yeah. Yes. Like anybody we haven't met yet who... Yes. Presumably, there are people festering yeah. with filth fevers oh, over there. Sure. Well, I yeah. mean... Well, that's a reason to go back to the ship a, right away, isn't it? That's a legitimate <laughs> reason why we would probably go back to yeah, the he's ship. he's fine. That's no... I mean... Yeah, no not, joke. Not, meta, not metagaming. We'd be like... Well, we we only have a day. We want to get over there. I was metagaming a little bit. I'm I, not. I'm. I think you know that. What? I, I think that. that. I, I think that. that. Uh, but we would stay for cake. No. <laughs> what do you mean? No. We we just killed a hag. We're still catching our breath. <laughs> that's fun. I I just I just walked myself into giving you a reason to go over there. All right. That's what happened. So you're gonna head over there? I think so. I don't know why we wouldn't. Somebody. Put the bag of holding on their sheet. <laughs> so, I will. I will put it on my sheet. So this, what hang kind? on, you might not want to. Let me explain okay. how the bag of holding works. All this right. might be a grip thing. So here's the differences between bag of holding and handy haversack. Yeah. The awesome things about the handy haversack are move action. It's only a move action to withdraw an item that doesn't provoke an attack of opportunity, and also. It only weighs five pounds, no matter how much you put into it. The downside is it can only, it can air quotes only, hold like 85 or whatever it is, pounds. The bag of holding can hold up to 250 pounds worth of stuff, but it does weigh 15 pounds by itself. And there is no special caveat for withdrawing things from it so it's still ta- it's still as difficult to get stuff out of it as it would be out of what a normal kind of bag. action just a normal move action to get something that would provoke yeah it's yeah. Um, so it's, a, yes. it's an after after fight thing it's more of like a like a loot storage place yeah. than yeah, yeah. a combat bandolier yeah 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 I'll carry that if you if people would rather Great. absolutely and you and I can talk later about what, what can go should in move into there yeah what what number is it number one Back of holding number one. Sweet. So, you know, you take this, you've got this like, you know, a little bit of time of studying the stuff. You realize, oh my gosh, this this gem can heal everybody of all the crap, the viruses and the illness and the sickness that we carried back over from Briarstone. You know, you take the bag of hold, holding from Lelwyn, shove some cake in your mouth and head down the <laughs> stairs. You head out the front door of Lelwyn's house and uh, everybody give me a perception check. Who's the first out the door? Me. 14. Who's next? Me. Me. Oh. Who's got the higher initiative? I'm sure Ray does. My initiative is plus one. Scampering down the stairs behind his former erstwhile daddy is Ray. What did he get on his perception check? (laughs) Um, uh, 20. Dora's never in the back, so Dora's next, right? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you get? 25. Okay, and Grip? Grip's looking at cake. 
Uh, he got a five. <laughs> He's retching up some of that elven cake. <laughs> you head out into the night, a little bit after midnight here, and you're at the base of the hill that Thrushmore on land is on, and in front of you is the the main island where the hill that you you know fought the revenant is on. That's sort of looming above you, and the the shape of the star Stella up there is clearly silhouetted against the night sky as you're seeing off in the distance lightning just lancing across the sky. So rain and wind and all that stuff haven't hit Thrushmore yet, but there is a major storm brewing out in Lake and Carthen, and it's just very dramatically backlighting Crocus Hill and the Star Stella. And in the flashes of light, you catch sight of, on all of you can see this, there is a woman with like long darkish hair, maybe red, maybe brown. She's staggering so right across the right across the street from Lelwyn's house is the new chapel. She's staggering along the side of the building with her, like and Dora's the one that notices with one hand wrapped up and clenched around her gut like maybe she's been stabbed or bitten by something. She's dragging herself along the wall towards the front doors of the chapel which you know to be locked and sealed. Yeah. Do we know the name of the priestess who's been missing? Mavane is her last name. I think that's. I think I don't know. You ever got her first name? Two quick questions. Yeah. In terms of buffs that we would still have going, how long does protection from evil last? That's gone. Okay. Barkskin. The po- my potion said thirty minutes. Oh, all right. That'd still be going. I think you got barkskin. Yeah. Uh, and bless is gone. I'm assuming. Yeah. Bless is gone. Okay. Mavane. Dora says, just in case. She very groggily turns her head back and she's she's looking around her very confusedly and she starts muttering help help and she's she's kind of pounding on the wall of the church as she keeps moving towards the door was it Lelwyn that had locked it yes because he's like now he's the only one with the keys and all yeah. that kind of stuff grip goes back and he will he will get the key from Lelwyn I'm going to go straight over to her. Okay, great. So Roni heads over to help the woman. Grip goes inside to get the keys. Let's see. So give me one more perception check there, Johnny. 25. That's fun. <laughs> You're closing in on her. It's only about 50 feet from Lowen's door to the doors of the chapel. You get about 10 feet away from her, and you spot that she isn't clutching her hand to a wound she is hiding a dagger out of view of the rest of you what do you do uh, let me take a look at your wound I'm a healer and I pull my gun and shoot her <laughs> let me take a look at your wound I'm a healer I pull my gun and shoot her let it never be said that Gull did not shoot first <laughs> So, it is night night now, so if you do not have dark vision... Which I do. Because how long does that go from that... Hours. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Is that an extract or what? Yep. Yeah, he yeah. took it before. He, he did take it with the night, night hag fight. Nice. So, uh, it'll just be Ray then. You're, uh, you're going to have 20% mischance out here because it is uh, dim light, unless you want to cast light. So, basically, Dora just goes, she, he, he shot her. Yes. Let's, <laughs> let's see how badly you shoot her for. 
Go ahead and make that attack roll. Oh, man. 24. Ooh. Against touch AC, since I was just 10 feet away. That is a hit. Five points of damage. Roni pulls the pistol up, gets this shot off. You do notice, for the first time in your character's life, she seemed to understand what was about to happen to her, and she wrenched to the side in attempt to avoid getting shot, as if she knew exactly what it was that you were bringing to bear. Vaticus. And with that, she pulls, she's you've kind of like <clears throat> wrenched her to the side. She's got a dagger in one hand. She parts the top of her blouse to reveal a holy symbol. Yeah. Blackened silver oval with a yellow Triskelion symbol embossed upon it. A small sphere at the center with three oddly shaped barbed arms radiating out from it. And she says as she reveals this, Have you found the yellow sign? And she dodged the attack or she just like absorbed, like was able to... Oh, she was very much hurt by it. Okay. She just seemed to have been not surprised at what happened to her when she got shot. Copy that. All right. Everybody roll initiative. Uh, Roni. 19. Nice. Uh, Ray. 12. Dora. Natural 20 for a 22. Ooh. And Gripper. 10. Okay, so we're at the top of round one here. We start with Dora. Dora, you are about 40 feet away or so from Roni. You just saw Roni shoot this poor injured woman. But as she turns around and reveals the holy symbol of Haster and asks the question, have you found the yellow sign? Dora does immediately understand that she is looking at at a cultist of Haster. She's standing shoulder to shoulder with Ray. Grip is back inside the house about 10 feet behind you. What do you do? It's a free action. She yells, Grip, get back here. Don't bother with the key. Okay. As a move action, she says, Roni, shoot her again. <laughs> and she turns to Ray and says, go get her. Okay, so that's some two bits of combat advice from yes, Dora. plus two to Roni, plus two to Ray to attack the woman. Roni, you're up next. You're 10 feet away from the woman. As a move action, I narrow my eyes, studying my mm-hmm. target. Yes. As a free action, I reload with a paper cartridge. Nice. And as my standard action, I blast her. She's still flat-footed. 23. That is a hit. Five points. Oh, wow. Bang. Bang. She's twisting and turning in an attempt to avoid these gunshots, but you keep catching her just as she rises. Maybe this time you catch her like right high in the meaty part of her left arm. And as she says, as uh, I blast her the second time ago, yeah, I've seen the sign. She smiles and her hand still up there next to her holy symbol. She reaches a hand around it and says, Go. She uses a move action to draw a potion out from a pouch at her hip. And then she takes a five-foot step to close the distance with you, Roni, and she seems to be waiting for something. Ray, you are up. You're back by Lelwyn's house right next to Dora. With my movement speed, I can't close with her to hit her with a melee attack. Unless you charge, right? You could charge. Wow. 
Okay. That would be plus two to your attack roll, minus two to your AC until your next turn. Yeah. Thanks. All right, I'll do that. Is that your first charge? It's my first charge. Oh, that is first charge. Yay. I'm sorry I was inside and I missed it. <laughs> I'll tell him about it later. Okay. So through the darkness of the approaching storm, Ray races across the street to come shoulder to shoulder with Roni and a swing poor flame at her. So that's a plus four on top of my... Yeah. Okay. It's a plus nine all day. She's no longer flat foot. It was a seven on the die, plus nine, 16. Keeping it? Yeah. Hit. Nice. Ooh, nice. Nine points of damage. Ooh. Bludgeoning and piercing. When she held her holy symbol, did it seem like she was casting a spell? It did not. Okay. It did not. She's telling all the people who are hiding around the new chapel to come out. Ray charges across this open space between Lelwyn's house and the new chapel, winds up, clocks her in the head, and knocks her unconscious. She falls to the ground at their feet. Grip, you are up. You're back in the, you're back in the house, but uh, with your dark vision there through that open door, you can, you can see what's going down. All right, then Grip's just going to take a double move. Yeah. I think he can get to... Effectively leaving Dora alone. I'll go to about here. Yeah, because I, I don't Okay, so I'm not going to go the full way to her because they're right. I, I don't think he would totally just leave her, but he is going to move. He's going to move down the little path about halfway between Dora and the guys. Right, standing in the middle of the street there and, between the two houses. And, yeah. um, yeah, that's all. And then he's just going to be on the lookout. I mean, I don't think there's any point in readying an action unless, like, if something were to appear right in front of him, yeah. he will attack it. He okay. will ready that action. All right, so he's hunkering down, keeping his eyes peeled. Yes, to see where to move next or to hit or what to hit next. I'm assuming that I gave you back Red Destiny. I feel like we would have legitimately right. changed that out, but if you, if you no, don't want fine. us to. So Gri- Grip has got the plus two weapon. As Grip lands in his position in the middle of the road there, suddenly, to the the right, as you're looking at it, to the right of the main door of the new chapel, on the western stretch of wall there, with this bamf, popping sound, and this massive cloud of charcoal and chalk dust, a ten-foot-wide window into Carcosa appears. Holy shit. You see the yellow city just as you saw it in chapter one. There's yellow fog rolling and tumbling through these canyon-like streets. Walls of the buildings seem to sag at weird angles and to stab out sharply with these dangerous shadows beneath them. Distant buildings seem to be curvy or domed or or arched or empty or covered in cobwebs or filled with torchlight and overhead there is an oily purple moon bruising the twilight sky and a shape steps out of Carcosa and onto Market Street. It's a lean human man with greased back yellow hair. He's smiling like a like a movie star or a, a, a publicist or something. He clutches a rapier in one hand and his other hand currently resting on his yellow sign symbol is holding a small vial of liquid. And as he steps out of this window, the image freezes and becomes nothing more than charcoal and chalk, a frozen memorial to the street in the Yellow City from which this man emerged. Let me put him on the map here. Ronnie doesn't have a melee weapon in hand. It's 15, 20, 25. 
the man snakes his way immediately into a flanking position with Roni. But Prob- she's down, isn't she? She is down. So I'm, as this is all happening at once, he seems to be operating on some sort of like... Autopilot? No, like he had a plan and he was engaging the plan. So probably what's happening is this is all really happening at the same time, right? Uh-huh. He comes bursting out of the wall, racing to get into a flank with with Roni just as his flanking partner <laughs> drops. So now he's standing in the middle of this path with Roni and Ray adjacent and uh, very uncomfortably close to grip for somebody who is just a dude in leather armor. And that's the end of round one. Round two. Everybody give me a perception check. Thank you. Dora. 30. Roni. Oh, gosh. 12. I think that I was looking at Carcosa and thinking about the fact that if they know what this gun is, Vaticus might be in there. Ray. 17. Grip. 11. All right. You all see what you see and know what you know. We start with Dora. Dora, you're still back by the house by yourself now, about uh, 20 feet behind Grip, as another uh, assailant has emerged from the wall of the new chapel. Free action. Yep. Rooney, get that vial from her. Move action. Grip, flank with Ray. Ray, hit him really hard. (laughs) So, combat advice. All around. For Grip and Ray. And I get that vial from Roni. You're playing bard tonight. That's I got. That's all I got. Roni, you are up. You are still adjacent to an assailant, although it's a completely different one than when your turn was last around. So you swing around, I imagine, to see this uh, skinny man with the bright teeth and the yellow hair standing behind you with a rapier in hand. I am going to take a five-foot step next to the injured woman lying on the ground so I create a little bit of space. Yep. And then I'm going to, again, narrow my eyes, uh, looking at this skinny blonde guy with the rapier. Mm-hmm. And uh, he becomes my now-studied target. And then as a free action, I will again reload and fire. So she is in melee with Ray. You don't yet have precise shots. So take that minus four off of whatever your roll here. Will do. That's a 24 Keeping that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a hit. Against Touch AC. And that is... Oh, for nine points of damage. Oh, nice. Massive shot. He seems quite injured. This guy right next to you, Ray, is looking not so hot. The injured woman on the ground bleeds out. Ray, you are up. You are adjacent to the bleeding injured woman and the living, although quite dastardly shot, skinny blonde guy. Oh, can I can I say something to him yeah. as a reaction? You guys know who Vaticus is? The guy just narrows his eyes and gives you a confused look. Okay. But smiles brilliantly. I can't wanted- say I can't say I've met the chap. Ray, you're up. Ray holds for grip to move into flanking position so mm. he can pop this assailant number two skinny blonde man in the face. Delaying for grip. Awesome. So, grip, you are up. You are 10 feet away from this guy. Grip is going to take one step to his right and then one step diagonally, also sort of to his right, and flank <laughs> skinny blonde man with Ray. Uh, he's going to. We're going to activate power attack. Mm. 
Oh, help me remember. We didn't do the mischance check on Ray's attack. She might not have dropped. He carried with the light in his eyes with him on his first charge out the <laughs> oh, door. Oh, because it's dim light or something? Yeah, it's dim light. Okay. All right, Grip moves into a flank. Power attack activated, and then he's Hunkers going... into Hulk mode. He is going to uh, give an attack with Red Destiny. Nice. Plus two for combat advice, plus two for a flank. So plus four all day. So that's a plus 12 all day. Woohoo. Natural 20. Oh, 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 fantastic. Back that up. Uh, backed up with a natural one. <laughs> okay. oh, no. It's a hit. It's a hit. It's a hit. <laughs> um, but that's going to be 1d6 plus no damage on those other things. So 1d6 plus 9. <laughs> God. Just 9. Maximum damage, 15 points of damage. Whoa. Oh. Yeah, that goes right into his gut. And when you pull it out, intestines follow. And he drops both unconscious and grievously, grievously injured. Ray, you're up. The uh, opponent has uh, has dropped. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, is everyone all right? Are we still in rounds? We're still in rounds. Yeah. Dora, get over here. Ray will uh, go to Dora. All right, so Ray crosses. That's a double move for you, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Yeah. So Ray makes the long hike back across the distance between houses to close with Dora as. Oh, boy, oh boy. That, uh, that second guy is bleeding something <laughs> fierce. Is he still smiling? <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, he's meeting his elder god now, that's for sure. How do those teeth look now? Oh, so white. The vials, the vials they had on them. Are these the first honest to elder god Haster cultists we've met? As far as you know, yes. Certainly the, the only ones you've seen who... That have been that, uh, at least that have been so blatant. Openly wearing the symbol and, and asking the, the ubiquitous question. That not walk the walk and silent. talk the talk. Yeah. That weren't like drugged out of their minds and newbies yeah and it really is hard to say exactly what the apostles yeah, were actually were, worshipping right. I mean they right. you know. seem to be Zandalus which means the Tatterman really yeah Ray as you close with Dora right around the corner to the left around the sort of east side of Lelwyn's house you hear another poof and you see a puff of charcoal and chalk and another figure steps out onto the scene. This is a woman. She's lean and bald, and she has this dark olive skin. This woman comes scampering out, kind of uncomfortably close to both Dora and Ray. Don't want any part of that. And she puts herself, she slides into a spot basically between Dora and the door into Lelwyn's house, making it very, very difficult to escape back inside and off the street. See you in round two. Same uh, leather armor clad type of affair? Exactly, yeah. Clutching a vial, stroking the holy, the holy symbol of Haster. Dora, you're up. You're adjacent to this newly appearing... Not for long. Haster cultist. <laughs> Just tumble away. I'm going to take a five-foot step away. Mm-hmm. You're not doing a full withdrawal? No. 
Because she's in the clear. So edging five feet back. That's a five foot step. Right next to Ray. Assume there's rubble. There is. Stones. Yep, absolutely. We'll throw one at her. Do it. What do you picture? What do you feel? <laughs> I feel mischievous and then quite embarrassed. <laughs> uh, as I roll a 10 to hit and minimum damage. But I still have a move action. Grip! Charge! <laughs> Combat advice. So, stone goes flying, missing the new cultist that has appeared on the scene. Roni, you are up quite a distance away now. It probably looks like about 50 feet away from this new cultist that has uh, gotten very, very uncomfortably close to Dora and Ray across the way. I will take a five-foot step. Uh, so I'm now in between the body of the skinny blonde man and the injured woman. And I will, as a free action, reload my alchemical torch. And then, glaring at this lean, bald, olive-skinned woman from the 40 feet away, I will reach deep into my debts, spending a point of grit. Oh, nice. To increase my range yeah. for uh, this. And I will, as a move action, study combat. And then, as my standard action, fire. Excellent. So this will resolve against touch? Correct. Fantastic. Nice. That is a natural 20. Oh, hey. Fantastic. All right. Back that up. All with right. times four crit. All right. That is a 28 against touch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> confirmed critical with the alchemical torch. And roll that up. And I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, Be- before we, You get a point of grit back. Yay. I do get a point of grit back. Before we get excited about this damage, I'm going to be that guy. Concealment. He's got dark vision. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Thanks for reminding. This is why I spent my second level extract on dark vision, because I was tired of not being able to see You had said we didn't roll it a time before. For Ray. Just for Ray. Ray is the only one who can't see through the darkness perfectly. Cheerfully withdrawn. (laughs) All right. uh, So let's see. Oh, gosh. How am I going to do this? All right. I am going to, let's see, D8. Doesn't he get the grip pack only if he kills her? Times four. Uh, every confirmed crit. Oh. Sweet. 24. And I'm going to go ahead and spend. I'm going to oh go ahead God. and do my studied strike as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because there's no reason not to. That's a 28 points of damage. Get the fuck out of here. 28 points of damage. She flies back against Lelwyn's house and in a big sloppy mess that he's going to have to clean up. She dies at negative con. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Oh man, it's been a it's been a it's been a slog to get Roni to uh, actually do to some be, damage, do yeah. some damage and stuff. So this well, is well pretty worth awesome. The I gotta way, say, buddy. that's great. Good job. Oh. The original red-haired woman bleeds out more. Grip, you do, are up. Do we want to question them? I don't know. Do we? I mean, I, otherwise I could. Are we? Are we out of rounds? We are not out of rounds. Um, want to give me a perception check? Definitely. I'm keeping you around, and Grip's not clear why. Let's see if he knows. <laughs> he does not. So Grip's in full combat mode. The blood's up. People are coming from all directions now at this point. The last one came out just very, very close to Dora. Can he coup de grace the one in front of him? Yes, 100%. He will, he will do that. All right. He punches him, the skinny blonde guy, into oblivion. <laughs> nice. Fantastic. Ray, you are up. You just saw one guy get a. You probably. You're, oh, yes. Dora and Ray are covered in blood. 
cut from the explosion <laughs> of this uh, this third assailant. Just I'm glad I took that up. five foot step. Yeah. <laughs> so you're slightly less covered in blood than you would uh, otherwise. <laughs> may I make another frantic perception check? Yes, please. In case it makes any difference. Hey, 12 on the die. Nothing. What's the total? <laughs> well, d- <laughs> 17. Total 17? Mm-hmm. All right. You do spot something. Okay. And actually, you hear something. So at this distance, you'd hear it first. <laughs> Off to the northwest, like towards the direction of the sleepless agency, you hear what sounds like the mad cackling of an insane of an insane elderly woman. Uh-oh. Getting closer. And you probably would detect... Yeah, because so you're the only one not seeing in black and white right now. Right. So everything's a little dim, but you're seeing in color. And there's a faint, like, bluish glow off in that direction. Oh, the mad. The ghost of oh, uh, yeah, the yeah, mom. Yeah. Mother's ghost, right? Maybe mama's coming. Oh, God, oh. we are so fucked. Although- Ray, so with that information in mind, uh, what do you do, Ray? Uh, knowledge, religion on ghosts. <laughs> that no, not without. Sure, sure yeah, I mean, go ahead and roll it. <laughs> Let's see what you get. Uh, Twenty-one. Okay, not bad at all. Nice. Of course, the fun thing with ghosts is everyone's different. <laughs> Let me tell you what. It's like they were people. Let me tell you what you do know that would be true of all ghosts, if that is indeed what you're about to face. Okay. So this could be useful or not. Uh, They're all incorporeal. (laughs) They have no physical body. They can only be harmed by other incorporeal creatures, which is none of you. Magic weapons. You do have some of those. Creatures that strike as magic weapons. Grip is such a thing. Spells, spell-like abilities, or supernatural abilities. It is completely immune to all non-magical attack forms, any incorporeal creature. And even when hit by spells or magic weapons, they only take half damage from a corporeal source, unless you're dealing with a force effect. You do know that they can pass through solid objects. You do know that their attacks ignore uh, natural armor, armor, shields, that kind of stuff. Though you, people, you, do, you would get to keep your deflection bonuses and force effects uh, and such against them. So very difficult to hurt an incorporeal creature as it is phased out of reality. Does the um, the, the the thing that Grip has that make him strike his fists strike as magical for damage reduction? Does that apply to this? It does. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's still so half, both, still half damage, but right, it can actually but both damage. Fists and sword would would qualify. Then. Yes. Gotcha. Hundred percent. Do they count as undead? If what you're facing is a ghost, a ghost is one hundred percent undead. And in fact, so trapped here that they are kind of like a haunt. They're very difficult to put down because there's usually some specific thing keeping them here that you have to find out and solve in order to stop them from continuously rejuvenating. Okay. Did you want to go anywhere with that information in mind? Yes. Standard action put a light spell on the end of my morning star. Great. And Ray's going to move a little to the west to uh, sort of meet the path of where this uh, glowing light is coming from. Oh, Ray's moving closer to the light. And as he's moving, Ray will say, I think it's the Lowell's family ghost. She's coming. Love it. That's the end of round three. Top of round four. Here we go. 
Ray, you're looking off to the northwest there, where you presume Count Lowell's dead mother is approaching. <laughs> Jeez. That is the focus of your attention at this moment. When you suddenly hear in your ear a little whisper. Mummy sends her love. Does a 23 hit your flat-footed armor class? Yes. A dagger slides into the side of your gut. Oh. For 16 points of damage. Four points of bleed. <gasps> what? And you are left bewildered, yeah. taking a penalty to your armor class as Reese appears right next to you with that dagger in your side. You know, levels, uh, levels f- like five through seven are really interesting in this game. They're probably the most fun for the players because mm-hmm. like suddenly you can take a bunch of hits, do a bunch of cool stuff, kind of like a freaking rock star. It's a little sketchy on the GM side here because what starts to happen for those of us that run this game is this is when the first save or die effects start to come in. There's obviously a ton at the high levels, but it's not quite so scary because the players should at high levels have ways to deal with those kind of effects. But at level five, uh, we got no way to come back from death yet. (laughs) Right. And in a town where the high priestess of Ferozma is gone, it is unclear if there's any way to reverse death at this point. But here we go. We have hit our first save or die moment. I'm sorry it had to be you, Polly. I really don't want to see Ray go, but this was an assassin's death attack. Oh, oh hell. shit. The time she needed, the three rounds she needed to study you were bought. I need you to make a fortitude save or Ray dies. Oh, God. Ray rolled a six. You got any shame? Yeah. Rolled it like that was on the die or that's the total? That's the total. (laughs) Yeah, it's a one. And Brayden Vaticus dies. That's the end of part one. We'll take a break here. Oh, fucking hell. Fuck. Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. 
Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E.com. Opening and closing themes, along with additional music, composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. 